attention architects, and creative minds. Get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. Hey, it's Jeff here. What you're about to hear is the recording from our weekly Context and Clarity live show that I co-host with Catherine McPhail. Every week, we bring in a special guest that will help us dig even deeper and find even more clarity around the most popular context and clarity topics. This version of context and clarity is simulcast to Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube and Twitch. Oh, and did I mention that they're live? We're operating without a net, so we may hit a few rough patches and stumble every once in a while. But I think these guests and these conversations are important enough that we really shouldn't keep them to ourselves. So with that, let's jump into this week's episode. This episode of Context and Clarity is supported by Twinmotion, the simple real-time rendering solution to create high-quality imagery client presentations, and interactive experiences that help communicate your design ideas fast. To learn more, visit Twinmotion at twinmotion.link slash clarity. This episode of the Context and Clarity podcast is also supported by Section Cut, the interactive virtual conference from our friends at Monograph. Learn more at sectioncut.com. All right, Entree Architect community, it's 4 p.m. Eastern, which means it's time for the Entree Architect Context and Clarity Live session for Thursday, August 12th, 2021. Thank you for joining us. Great to have you here. As you get here, say hi. Let us know that you're here and let us know where you're joining the conversation from. It is always fun to see how far these conversations spread. Uh, If you're not familiar, it is not at all unusual for us to have someone from Anaheim, California, all the way around to Australia. We circle a globe with these conversations, so we want to know where you are. And if you're listening to us uh, in the future uh, via podcast, welcome. Thanks for joining us. We've got a great show lined up for you today, a great guest, and uh, we will get into that in just a minute. But if we've never met before, 
My name is Jeff. I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm joined by Catherine. Catherine, where are you? I'm in Arlington, Massachusetts. Oh, that's good. I'm glad, she's, I'm glad she said that because a minute ago she told me she was in a cauldron. So, um, I'm in both. Both a cauldron in Arlington, Massachusetts. This is like witchcraft jokes. <laughs> no? We're not far from Salem. So. Okay. All right. Well, maybe. We'll get into that a little bit. A little bit later. But we okay. come here every afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern for one reason, so that we can find clarity around the things that matter most to you, the architect. And it doesn't matter if you're the uh, owner of a firm or you're the employee of a firm. Maybe you've circled a date on the calendar and you've said 2021 is my year. You're on your way to starting your own thing. Or maybe you had your own firm for a year or 10 years or, what, 37 years. You're starting to rethink or reimagine what that firm could or maybe should be. All of the topics that we cover, one topic every day, they all fall under the broad umbrella of the business of architecture, and they're all the need-to-know topics for the success of architects just like you. So thanks for joining us today. Great to see uh, folks joining us from uh, Facebook and from Twitch. Um, I thought we had a LinkedIn, but I I see Facebook and Twitch right now. Uh, I see a Facebook user, which reminds me that um, if you are on Facebook, you are in a closed, a private group. And because of Facebook's privacy policies, uh, you your information cannot be released from that group unless you give Facebook permission. So if you want to show up like John Jones does with his picture and his name there, uh, he's joining us from Westport, soon to be in the sticks of Vermont, and John Kenny, uh, he's outside of Boston. If you want to show up like that instead of Facebook user Go to the URL that's at the bottom left of your screen right now. It says chat.restream.io slash FB, as in Facebook, and give Facebook permission to share your information. Then you'll show up like uh, like yourself. How's that? Uh, so thanks for joining us. Say hi. And uh, we'll, it'll be fun to see where everybody joins this conversation from. All right. What did I leave out, Catherine? I'm sure I forgot something. Uh, I think that covers it, except our guest, as okay. usual. Yep. Well, we put our guest in the green room, and they're that they're back there with the air conditioning blasting, uh, a bowl of ice cream, and a uh, stout beer. So uh, once they're finished with that, then we'll bring them out here and introduce them. Looks like <laughs> looks like they may be ready for us at this point. So. Let me just get into it here. Oh, I see Michael Dern. He's on LinkedIn. Hi, Michael from Los Gatos. I'm glad you're joining us as well. And Christian and Ithaca and Chris in Massachusetts. Mark LePage from Fisher's Landing, way upstate New York on the St. Lawrence River. Great to have you. And uh, the rest of you, as you join us, say hi and let us know that you're here. In the meantime, our guest today is a design evangelist. She's been an editor, a correspondent, a national board member, and is a speaker. She's a PR pro. That's public relations, by the way. Uh, She's the founder and principal of Taylor & Company, and her mission is to make the world safe for design. Julie Taylor, welcome to Context & Clarity Live. So happy to be here. There are no green M&Ms in the green (laughs) room. No, don't tell anybody that. We like to pretend to get the guests on. I'm I'm pretty sure that Tom got in there first and ate those. I, I would ask him. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here and to uh, meet all the good folks out there in streaming land. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a different world here in streaming land, and it's great. It is great to have everybody 
John Kinney says a barley shake. I see. Yeah, absolutely. If we can make a stout float, I think we'd all be happier at this point. Yeah, it looks like that must be Sean from Chucktown. Welcome, Sean. Welcome back. Um, as I said, as I mentioned in the introduction, Julie, you are obviously a PR, a public relations pro. Uh, you founded uh, Taylor & Company a couple of years ago. Oh, just a few. 1994. All right. All right. Yeah. So, so you've been at this for a while. We've been talking about PR all week in the uh, in our daily context and clarity conversations, without the guidance of a PR pro in our conversation. So, why don't we just start with what is public relations or what is PR? Yeah. Um, good question. I kind of look at in in your intro week. You talked about business development, and as um, as a function of it. So I, I look at all of marketing as the big rubric, and under that, you have the business development, your RFPs, you get the job in the door. The public relations, which is anything that goes outside of your office, so publications, awards, uh, speaking, events, and then communications, which are your website and a lot of social, social media kind of goes in between the two. So public relations is what is your image, what are you saying outside of your office that goes out to the public at large and to your clients, to your colleagues, etc. Yeah, it seems to me it's got an interesting little niche between, I mean, I know we, we couch it under marketing, but it, it almost seems like it's between the pushing out of marketing and the relationships of, of business development. So um, so pretty interesting. Is when, we, when we create our plans for our clients, it has to do with what are their business development goals? Yeah. What is the brand that they are looking to, to put out there? And we can help them define that as well. That's a really great point. I mean, when we've, when we've tackled the different topics this week, so we started, I guess we started the week with what are you doing to promote your firm? And then we went to, um, uh, getting published. What what does that even mean in 2021? And then yesterday we talked about awards, and you know a thing that we hit on time and time again, of course, was was strategy. What's the goal? What are you trying to achieve here? Because that's going to dictate a lot of things. Absolutely, and I find that people get into it for a few different reasons. I mean, there's the business development, so getting in front of potential clients who don't know you. It also helps to impress those that do. Sometimes they're like teetering and they're like, oh, well, my architects are many more times. Um, recruitment, very good for recruitment. It's um, very good for, you know, a lot of other architects are on awards juries. They're on, um, you know, uh, local uh, approval boards. And uh, we just got a client who he applied for AIA fellowship and they returned his application and they said, you know, you don't have enough, you don't have enough press, you don't have enough publications and national awards. So that's our focus. And then some people just feel like it's about time I just get some recognition. They want the warm and fuzzies, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that, that makes sense. Is, is there a big difference between PR for an architecture firm, let's say, and 
I don't know, Ford Motor Company? Um, I'm sure there is in some ways. Um, I've never done anything for Ford Motor Company, although my client in Detroit has done some work on one of their offices. Um, but the difference, I think, with architecture is the, the product, so to speak, is not off an assembly line. It, it's a one-off, right? And so you're doing the PR on a project that exists toward the next project, right? So um, Ford, they're just going to be selling, selling, selling. And they can just sell you that product and be done. We all know how long architecture takes mm-hmm. and, and what a, a good business practice it is to keep that one client, even when you're done, um, for repeat work and added services like that. So it really has more of a, a relationship aspect to it. Yeah, that, that is interesting. I mean, that's to me, that would be a pretty big difference, right? It, it's, um, Maybe it is more relationship based as a goal than, than of course you know Ford's going to roll out that that ridiculous new whatever they're calling that Mustang thing or uh, whatever products they you know new model that's coming out, but uh, not so much relationship, I guess. And and real difference in budgets. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that, <laughs> that's that's a really good point. <laughs> I might, if I did stuff before, I might get a Mustang. I'm not getting a house. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. You're not getting, uh, not getting into those side benefits, right? (laughs) And I think, you know, especially because this audience is presumably mainly small firm, uh, architecture firms. Although since we have the, uh, uh, simulcast that's going out to a number of channels, we may be, uh, getting some larger firms in and, and, and others as well. Um, but if we focus on the small firms, you know, you and I both know that there are plenty of these firms that probably don't have a dedicated marketing budget, let alone a, uh, you know, a line item for PR. Is it possible, uh, this, this question actually came up this morning on Clubhouse, uh, is it possible for the community or our friends to help us with our PR. Does that make sense? If, if you're an architect and you've got a, a project or, or something you're working on, is it possible for your friends to play a part in that? Well, I would say your clients can, depending on the type of project. And that is one thing if you're working for a developer or a company, an organization, as opposed to a single family. Um, Often they will be doing some PR. And often, if you assume that they're going to include you, you will be incorrect most of the time. So it's something you do need to be a little proactive on and to coordinate with, with their people. Um, likewise, if you're doing a restaurant, a restaurant, a new restaurant will have their PR, a new hotel will have their PR. But again, you really, I mean, how many restaurant reviews do you read where they talk about the ambiance like halfway through and, gee, I guess it just happened. They, they don't mention who actually designed it and made all of those choices. Um, so you do have to be proactive in, in, in doing that. So does that mean that you're 
I mean, you've got a relationship with your client. Uh, and, and I, and I guess this is, you know, what I'm thinking is sort of the DIY version for the, for the small firm that hasn't hired, hasn't hired you or a, or a PR firm to help them. So then do we need to, to reach out to the client's communications person or PR person or is it, how do, how do we approach that sure. conversation? Yeah. Just to kind of see what they're doing. I mean, okay. that would be, you know, that would be the best, the best way to do that. One of the things are, that, you know, obviously myriad other things that they can do. Sure. Yeah. What, one of the things that we've talked about some this week has been awards. We've we've touched on photography some, and yeah. <laughs> <I'm> number two. <laughs> all right. What what what's so important about the photography? Oh gosh. Well, at the end of the day, it's all you have. So I I really encourage people to to look at it as an investment and not an expense because it's really all you've got at the end of the day, and it's got to be good. It's got to be professional. Um, and so it is an investment. So maybe not every single project you go to, you know, an A-list photographer. Um, you can, you know, if there's a, uh, an art school in your area, you know, if there's a photographer, photo students, you know, they need to build their portfolio. You know, it's not, you know, it's not going to be necessarily you know, Tom Bonner, you know, um, quality, but you can get some, some good stuff on it. Mm. And so that's, it's, it's, you're going to need it through social media, your proposals, your website, any publication, you are going to need it. Mm. Some publications, um, mostly the, the shelter magazines, the ones that do single family that are on the newsstand, if you can find a newsstand. Um, traditionally they've done their own photography, which you usually don't even get access to after. However, budgets and pages getting fewer, many of them are taking supplied photography. Hmm. You can also partner with your client, with your contractor, lighting designer, landscape, and partner, you know, see who, who on the team wants in on the, on the photograph. And then the, the photographers will add a percentage for each user, but it will still be uh, a bit more cost effective if you, you know, yeah, that, that, That's exactly where I was going with that. So, so that's, uh, that is a great point. What have we got I, here, Catherine? Well, I, I had Chris's question up there, which we can get back to, but I thought this yeah. was relevant to Christian has a question about what about those of us who do not have they have non-photographable stuff like he he how he provides a service to architects you know so any kind of pr that he would do isn't going to be photographable uh he does um kind of like quality control on people's drawings so he will look at cds for example and um, point out places that there's information missing and that sort of thing so if you were going to get PR, how, how if you were going to invest in that, what would that look like? I would say the, the PR, I wouldn't say that's a media story necessarily unless you have found something that saved someone millions of dollars kind of thing, but then will that client really want that out there? Um, but 
that's where your marketing communications come in. And that is, that is really something that, um, there are some things that may happen within your firm that are big for you, like a 20th anniversary. That's great. Immediate on care. 150, not bad, but you know, it's a huge benchmark for you. And that's where your marketing communications would come in more, where you would do, um, you know, a, an e-blast or a newsletter or, you know, going out to your, to your clients. So I think that the, for, for that type of service, it's more that the kind of marketing communications and honing your message on the, on the services that you do, but leading, always leading with the benefits. What's, what's the result? We had, um, years ago, uh, worked with, um, part of the term a value engineering firm. And actually our role was to try to redefine that. But the, we were putting the value in the value engineering. Um, <laughs> and we looked at their website and just described the project. I said, so what was your solution? That's what anybody wants to know. So what are the results? What are the things that you solve, the problem that you solve for, for your clients? They, they get that message beat into them. <laughs> I talk about that a lot. So there you go, everybody. I didn't pay Julie to say that. <laughs> but talk about the results. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, for, for any firm, but particularly for the, the smaller firm, my first point of advice would be do something and and the the lowest effort thing you can do is a building side i am astounded driving around and doing so few building signs even i've seen it on some of my clients there in every meeting i'm like where's that sign i had a client who's doing something right around the corner from, from where i live I'm like I don't see your sign. I don't see your sign. I see the contractor's sign really big. Um, and make it readable. So they finally did it. And it, it was thin white on black type. I'm like, you might as well just have not done it. Make it big, bold, website, phone number. Easy, easy, easy. But often, for some reason, overlooked. Makes sense. So this is Chris's question that oh, yeah. was up before. Yeah, so he wanted to know, is being included in client PR something you should have in your contract? I believe it. Well, I, I, yes, certainly if you can get it in there. I think AIA contracts have that you are allowed to kind of publish and photograph. I'm sure all of you have a story where your client's gone, uh, no. So that's, you know, it's, it's a hard, I know that it's hard to ask the clients for too many things, which is when we work with our clients, we say, you know, we're going to protect you as much as promote you. So, and it's easier for us as an outside firm to go to your client's marketing people or go to your client because it's one fewer ask that you have to. Because you've got to ask your client for so many things. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. 
I, I like the idea of trying to get that in the contract. Um, I've never seen it before, but it's, it's a great try. Um, we were talking about Christian and, and others. Uh, John Kenny is another one. I see his comment there about uh, he does Revit uh, coaching and, and things like that. That's right. That's not so visual. You know, maybe the same uh, camp as, as Christians. Uh, I also know that there are many in our audience that think they have um, projects that are not uh, maybe not sexy enough to publish. Uh, I don't know. It might be a window replacement or something like that. So if, if <laughs> that's not sexy enough to publish, what? Like window uh, replacement. I mean, maybe for Pella. I don't know. It is, what's the, if, if that's your, I mean, if that's your bread and butter work, what do you do with it? Well, I think in publishing, I kind of made a, like a hierarchy list for the small firm because I know a lot of it is what can you do yourself, right? So like the first was a building sign, get your photography and video together. Video is, is good. A lot of, uh, that's good for your socials and publications. I like to do a video. And then work on your website because that's, that's the first, that's your front door now, right? So you want to put up work that's photographed well, that looks good. You don't have to put everything you've ever done in your whole life. Just really get the best stuff because no one, you know, no one except maybe, you know, your mom is going to really go through that and want to see everything. So what is your best, best stuff? And when you do a project, start with the eye candy. If you, you know, I had a client who did all of the drawings first. I'm like, do you want a non-architect client? You know, start with the eye candy. So you've got to go to your audience there. And then social media. And then publicly. Um, so it's, it's a lot, a lot of different kind of, um, of layers. But yes, some of what's done isn't necessarily press work. So, so being a creative person, you want to get in there and go, okay, how, how else can I do this? Can I do this through social media? Can I show the, the progress of a project? What goes into a project? Can I take some cool, you know, I mean, that's where the photography with your iPhone is, you know, great. Um, and, you know, can I take some cool abstract images of this window corner and post and go, hey, guess, you know, what do you think this is? Engage people in that. So, so you want to use your creativity, you know, for for all. But I think that's a really good point. So, when you have a client, you know, small firm, large firm, whatever, um, that I don't know if it's a new project or if it's an ongoing campaign or what it is, but how do you decide? How do you go about deciding? Okay, where's this going to go? Well, first it's, you've got the quality of the project. Okay. And knowing the media that if, if you're going to go after media, whether it's online or print or podcast or whatever, you've got to know what they do. So that when you approach them, you're approaching them with something that is appropriate to them. So if you have... I don't know, a 40,000 square foot traditional estate, don't go to dwell. 
not going to work, right? So, you know, have it be always appropriate so that you know the media. So you want to know what types of things they do. Um, and then, you know, I, I have a, I'm working on this house that I adore that I think should be at the top of the top. I haven't quite gotten there yet, but I went to the top one. It would be appropriate in there. Okay, so then they said no. So I went down to the next one that I wanted. So you've got to look at your audience. Who are you trying to to get to? Um, you know, having your a house in record houses is fabulous. And that will serve a purpose. But if it's like the one house that you've had that's, you know, golden, you want to try to get it in front of a more consumer-oriented um, outlet. And whether that's Dwell or Digest or, I mean, and, and these are all difficult to get into. There are few, there are fewer places to publish and the competition is higher and higher and higher. Um, so that, that you need to know. And that the photography that you get, you know, really study what the magazines are doing and how they're taking their photographs. And it's often different. When I'm going to shoot for a client, I'm like, okay, take this because this is my cover and it's got to be vertical. You know, we want huge horizontal to fit our websites and to, to, to show everything. But we need to have a kind of layered photography strategy. So you're you're really trying to match or, or mimic, I don't know what the right word is, but you're trying to mimic what that publication does. Yes, in, in that's all of your, yeah. yeah, that's the publication that we want. Yeah. Um, and good to have um, photos with people and without. You know, that's mm -hmm. easy enough to do. Like, run in there. But, uh, you, know, um, you know, that's that's great. If there's a dog, that's always, I love that. Um, just don't have any publications lying around, you know, because you don't want to go to dwell and have a big architectural digest on the table. That, that gets filed to under gets filed under faux pas, I guess. Yeah. And then also for, for many things you do there are two things that happen in the publication industry that I would change tomorrow. Um but I'm not in control of all that yet. Uh, so what is exclusivity? A lot of them want to be the first ones. So you really have to go, okay. I mean, we got a house in the New York Times, and so we really we can't get it in any other first run, you know, publications or national publications because it was already public. Oh gosh, in the New York Times. Well, that's worth it, you know. So what are the things that are kind of you know worth it to you? We're, we're talking a lot about publications, as in what we would traditionally think of as publications. Um, you know, here we are, of course, in 2021, and a lot has changed uh, in the media landscape, probably in the last five months, let alone the last five years or 15 years. But um, is is our 
are publications, traditional publications, still a big focus, or uh, do we look at other online and so on? We kind of look at everything. The okay. thing about print, I think in an older client base, print still matters. Okay. When your client base are, you know, tech billionaires, then no, not so much. Um, the great thing about being in print is that you're going to be online. And, and the print online thing doesn't really make sense because Really, a finite number of people are seeing the print. I mean, a good number, but still finite, as opposed to infinite and forever. That's online. Yeah. Some people have a preference one way or the other. Some don't care. Um, and a lot of publications will go, we don't have room for this in print. We'll do a story online. Great. You know, it's more shareable. A lot more people will see it. It'll be, you know, it'll be living up there forever. And you still have that, the, you know, imprimatur of that publication. So, um, is there some sort of stigma still attached? Oh, well, you didn't make it in the print version, but no, that's gone. No, I don't, I don't think so. So many, you know, people just live online now. And there are a lot of just online only places that, I mean, like a, a disease. Uh, or design boom, we consider those primary sources just as we would, you know, dwell or whatever. Um, we do try to exhaust as much on in print, and get this in print before spreading it all around online because the print people think then everybody is seeing it. So, it, it, again, it's kind of finessing yeah, gets back to the ex- exclusivity piece of it. So you said you don't control that yet. Are you going to control that in the future? We, we shall see. <laughs> That's, there's, I, I don't know. You know, if you're listening to the podcast version of this, I actually see the wheels turning right now. <laughs> so. well, I used to be in publication. I used to be in it. So, uh, <laughs> so I went to the other side. I, I've got a feeling Julie's got an announcement coming. <laughs> so, are most of your um, are most of your clients focused on uh, attracting and finding clients, or do they have other other goals? Um, clients primarily, but definitely, I mean, the other goal of, of being out there. Because we're such a media-saturated world now, it's you're con- conspicuous by your absence. Mm-hmm. Um, some, you know, we have a, our largest client. They do, um, you know, primarily institutional work. They don't expect to have someone pick up the phone necessarily, but it keeps them out there. They're out there, they're in the running, they're in the mix, um, so that they are part of, you know, lists of top healthcare architects, top whatever. So they're always out there. Yeah. That's, so they're they're you know, positioning themselves. So it's, it's a cumulative process. I mean, there have been wonderful kind of kismet, where you're talking about magic earlier, um, where uh, 
a product will get shown somewhere, someone who absolutely loves it and has a need for it at that moment will contact that person. That's, I love, that's great. Someone might bookmark it and call a few years later when they have the funding. Mm-hmm. You know, so it is a kind of, uh, um, there's definitely a cumulative kind of process. That makes a lot of sense to me. It reminds me, um, we, we were talking, when we were talking about publication or, or getting published the other day, you know, one question was, does, does being on someone's podcast count as being published anymore, right? It's, it's an interview that, you know, it's, it's different. It's broadcast. Broadcast. It's, I mean, it's broadcast just like, I mean, it's radio, it's TV. Right now, sound and picture are coming out of a screen type object. That's exactly how I would, you know, describe television. Right. Well, you know, my kids watch TV this way. <laughs> yeah, podcast is voice coming out of a, some electronic box. Yeah. Sounds like a radio. So, yeah, it's, it's we consider it a podcast. And for those of you that aren't familiar with what a radio is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm showing it, man. I'm showing it. <laughs> we're, we're all in the same camp here. <laughs> Transistor. Yep. AM, <laughs> AM, FM, 9 volt. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> now, you've probably heard of Zaha Hadid Architects. They're one of the world's best known firms, and when it comes to innovation, they're big fans of pushing boundaries. The team at ZHA has started using Twinmotion, a simple real time ArcViz tool that lets you instantly visualize ideas and clearly communicate those ideas to stakeholders. ZHA designer Marco Magetta says that the benefits of using Twinmotion for designers are the simplicity of the interface, the playfulness with which you can articulate your scenes, and not having to worry about all the technical aspects that real-time usually brings, like light maps, PBR workflows, or other technical details. Marco also loved Twinmotion Cloud, which lets any member of the team access a project from their web browser without a single download or installation. The project manager can access the model, review it, and immediately give you feedback anytime from anywhere, says Marco. To download your exclusive free trial, head to twinmotion.link clarity. That's twinmotion.link clarity. Monograph is building a community of like-minded firm owners and operations leaders who are looking for solutions that align with their firm's values. On top of that, Monograph is building the only cloud-based practice operations software built exclusively for architects by architects. Monograph's easy-to-use and beautifully designed software allows you and your team to know in near real time whether you are on pace to deliver a project on budget. With Monograph, you and your team can plan project schedules, budgets, role assignments, and team members all in one place. What's the best part of Monograph? And this is a big one for me. It doesn't require a degree in finance to use. To experience the difference today, sign up for a free trial at monograph.com. 
And to underscore their commitment to the architecture community, on August 12th, Monograph will be hosting their first ever virtual conference. It's called Section Cut. This one-day event brings firm owners, operations leaders, and project leaders together to learn from success stories and workshops, all with a goal of improving their business. Reserve a seat at Section Cut today by visiting sectioncut.com. One one question that came up this morning when we were having our coffee talk on Clubhouse that uh, I, I just I love the way it was was phrased was uh, how do we attract let's see I've got to remember how do we attract clients rather than fans I thought well, that's interesting yeah. you've got to be fans first okay. and. Yeah. You don't know at that moment whether they will convert into that. And that's, that's where your marketing personality, talent, all of that, you know, comes in. I mean, we say we, we can get people who don't know you to know who you are. You need to close that sale, mm-hmm. basically. So, They've got to start off as fans. And like I said, you just don't know. I, many years ago, I, start, I started my PR career at Pacific Design Center. So, you know, showrooms are very expensive functions. And sometimes the, you know, we would see someone come in, dressed down in jeans, the sweatshirt, go into a showroom, and um, the showroom people just like not paying them attention, you know. You look a little closer, that's share, okay? So, <laughs> you know, you don't know who's going to transfer, you know, in, in, into someone. But it's a, it, you make those relationships and you see, and that has to do with putting yourself out there in the, in the appropriate places. I've heard on some, um, uh, a particular website where a lot of people are listed, um, Kind of um, how how houses um, that they get a lot of calls for kitchen wraps and you know oh where did you get that soap in that kitchen so that's that's a pain so you know you want to look to where you know where your real audience is yeah that that makes a lot of sense you, you talked about the the cumulative which i guess speaks to consistency as well i mean if yes. i don't think you're going to be accumulating anything if you're not consistently putting yourself out there if that's the right way to say it um if you're a sole proprietor you know one person in your firm you're wearing 17 hats right. which is a lot of this audience um what's the what can they be doing day by day or week by week um, to to build some consistency. The, the one that don't try to do too much. Okay, so I, I would say like don't have like launch eight thousand social media channels and oh I'm going to do a monthly you know go hi I'm doing a monthly newsletter and then only do one like that's the worst. So figure out what is really in your capability, time, and effort wise. And I think 
for us, um, I think social media in this way is your best bet. And um, again, if you're just starting, take a look at, at, at one platform. And if you're only going to do one, do Instagram. It's it's visual, you know, a lot of visual and a little text. Um, uh, Facebook would be the next, and and LinkedIn. And you want to um, again figure out, okay, how much can I do? You set up your profile. You you know posting twice a week is you know, it, it, to start is really good. You want to post um, images. You can do an image gallery, a few images, single posts, videos, the Instagram stories, um, and have it be a mix of, you know, your projects, renderings, projects in, in process, construction, um, announcement of uh, an award, if you go to an event, if we ever have events again, you know, <laughs> pictures with people. Um, so that's, so that there's a lot of content there to, to put up there. And, and then you, you need to build, obviously, your following. So, which means you need to follow people. So you want to follow the organizations that are meaningful to you and to your client, the people within those organizations, your clients, um, your, uh, um, your affiliates, the landscape architects, the lighting designers, the engineers, and your, your colleagues, your competition, you want to see what they're doing. Um, your alma mater, your, your professors, magazines, websites, writers that you love. It's really far and wide because the more people you follow, then they start looking at you and following. If you're doing design awards, because I know you mentioned that, and they list the judges, the jury, they'll follow those people on that jury. They follow you back when they see your work. I've, I've run a lot of um, design award programs, and I will say if projects have been published, if they've been out there in some way, there's a familiarity. Even if it's a blind judging, people like what is familiar to them. And it works on a kind of subliminal level. Let's get it the same. <laughs> you know, just kind of get it out there. You want to be social. Our, um, our social media director at the firm said it's called social for something. Be social. Like other people's posts. Comment on them. If you get comments, Thank people. Just comment back in a simple, you know, thanks is, is, is enough. So that way you're really, you're really social. Um, so yeah, so it, it's definitely something that is doable if you make it doable. You can always build, but you don't want to build an expectation and then go. Um, I have the same kind of advice on your website. Um, People, let's do a blog. We gotta do a blog. And uh, okay. You can do that, but I would not ever call it blog because that sets up an expectation that is going to be very regularly updated with new information. So the worst is when I click on a blog 
you know, and it's from four years ago. So come up with some other name, inspirations, things we like, I, you know, something else that doesn't set up an expectation. Let's just go and get talking for I think that's great advice. It makes a lot of sense. You mentioned awards, and we did talk about that. That was our topic yesterday, I think. We talked about the value of awards, and of course, there's a huge mixture of opinions about that that um, you know span the span the whole spectrum. Um, do you see from from the PR professional point of view, and I'm assuming that you're probably helping some of your your clients submit for yeah. these things yeah. from from that point of view, and then we can come back around as an awards director, I guess. But uh, do you see value for your clients in winning awards? I yes, and particularly if they. Do. I have some clients who it's very valuable, you know, for them. They they enter a lot of awards programs. Um, I think for the smaller firm bigger budget because they can get costly. The ones that I prefer are ones that are put out by a reputable organization and um, and publications. So those, those, you know, you've got your AIA, you've got a lot of your, your d- depending on um, your typology area, um, there's, you know, Specific healthcare awards, specific restaurant awards, you know, specific hotel awards. Those are the ones that are going to get you more in front of potential clients. Um, some of the more valuable publications and websites are not the ones that are ever at the newsstand. They're these smaller but more concentrated circulation, really not necessarily sexy publications. Such as healthcare design or, you know, um, RDD, rate, um, restaurant design and development. So those are the verticals that are going to more to decision making. You know, so there's a, there's, it's, it's like a secret underbelly of trade publications, <laughs> but I'm sure a lot of you do get them and get their, you know, their newsletters and, um, and like that. So awards, um, it also depends on who is seeing it. There's um, uh, the Industrial Designer Society of America, IBSA, has an awards program. Most of it is their kind of product. But there's an environments category. And that's one that I really recommend because it's a different kind of audience that's going to see it. It's industrial designers, it's manufacturers, it's, you know, all these people need space. Um, so looking at something that's maybe a little off, but do beware because there are some prizes and stuff that are, sometimes they'll, they'll go, oh, you won something that you never even knew or thought that you applied for, but you've got to pay to get the certificates, you know, all that's focus stuff. Um, and to me, an organization that only does the awards, I don't know, it can be a little suspect. So be, be judicious. Well, and you, 
Yeah, that's a good point. You came all the way back to the uh, the strategy, right? The, yeah, exactly. Who, who are we in front of? The thing you want to do is leverage that award once you win. Once you win in the plaques on the wall, it doesn't end there. You post it on your socials. You put it on your news on your website. You do an e-blast to your, you know, to your clients. We do news releases when the projects go out. And guess what? Those get picked up. And even though the, the um, awarding body might also do a release, they're going to send it out with the 5 to 12 to 25, 50 other winners. You do something your own. When it gets published, it sounds like you're the only one who ever won that project, you know, won a project award ever in the world. So it's, you know, behooves you to, to get out there and be a little bit more proactive, you know, in, in the channels that you can. When you're, when you're sending out the uh, press releases, you know, I remember when we faxed those things. Um, <laughs> yeah, folding. We should have a folding machine. <laughs> there you go. Again, just Google it. Um, when when you're sending those out now, are you are you using one of the services where you where you post it, or are you sending those out to individual journalists, or how are you doing that? We um. We, there's all, just like we've got all your architecture tools, we have all of our PR tools where we've got a huge database and a system through which they get email. Um, some people will just click architecture and send to everything that's in there. We don't do it. We handpick every single journalist that it goes to because I used to be one. And I know the stuff that comes out, and I still have press credentials, and I will still get things under that that have nothing to do with anything I have ever done. And guess what? I'm not going to see what that person sends me the next time because they have because they don't know who I am, they don't know what I do, they don't know the publication, and they don't have a problem wasting my time. That's not going to be a problem. So, so we're. Happy uh, LinkedIn in mails, in mails I get. <laughs> yeah, so we're 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 judicious again in that, in that way. And it takes it takes research. It takes you know who's the byline, who's on that, you know, who are those editors? Uh, I think that's an important point too. You know, for all of us that are, you know, we're in the DIY mode. Um, we talked about this uh, the other day, you know, you could be focusing on your local neighborhood newspaper or something like that, but, but we have to know who covers what and how it makes their life easy, how their job easier. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And the local press, I mean, I would not conclude any of that. And, and local and regional publications are great, particularly on the smaller firms. Um, you know, and and for um, uh, single family, all that stuff's good. Is I came up with this theory the other day. It's just you know maybe out of left field, but an Instagram post. So you you got a you you got your image or your video, whatever it is. You've got your caption that's telling the story. You've got some hashtags. You can tag people. 
in the post. Is that a modern version of a press release? Sure. A press release is taking some information and getting it out to other people who don't know you. Same thing. Same thing. And and you were you were talking earlier about well, all the media's changed, right? And so has PR in itself intrinsically changed. And I'm gonna say no. Because the impulse and the research is the same. The medium has changed. The tools are different. The, the end, the medium has changed. The PR okay. tools, you still need to you know who's writing, you know the outlet, you know, um, be appropriate. So all of that is, is the same. None of that has changed. But, the end result, the final medium into which the message will go has, has changed. It's changed its format and it has changed how, you know, online is different and it's, we know it's kind of still the wild west out there. Um, and there's a lot of user generated material. That's what your website is. You generated that. That's what social media is. You are generated. The, the thing about earned media, which is what we call, you know, being on a third party, is that a third party respected by a certain audience has deemed your work worthy. So it's an added layer of acceptance and reference. So, so you're getting into the idea of influence, right? You know, is this... You know, if, if it's curbed or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. first one that came to my mind, is, does that influence your, whoever it is you're trying to reach, I guess? Yeah. If you're, when, when you're trying to, when, when you're getting something out there, maybe you're trying to get published, um, reputable, not reputable, you know, is somebody like, just as an example, if we, if we get it to curbed, um, the they're online only, right? Yeah. Um, if if we get them to curbed, are yeah. they influencing the people that we're trying to reach? Are they are they is that being consumed? I guess by the people we're trying to reach. That's Absolutely. the big question. That, that's always the question. You have to go. Okay, it's real estate. It's unfortunately curbed has really since they they were bought by the um, parent company New York Magazine. And it's now been subsumed, subsumed into New York Magazine. And I think part of it goes behind the paywall now. And it's so New York centric. They do have some, some, uh, you know, kind of guest articles in other places, but they have closed down all of those local offices, hmm. which is, which is really a shame. Um, a site called Urbanize, which was only LA, very smart, um, has taken up the mantle and has opened up now in many cities. Um, so that's that's definitely a place to check. Good to know. That's good to know. So so it seems like even like you said, the medium has changed. The the end 
has changed, but even seems like even the strategy is is very similar. The goals are very similar. Yeah. Yes. And that one of the differences with social media is you are kind of going in a lot of ways directly to it's user generated hitting your end user, right? Going going to your clients more directly. Mm-hmm. But it's also really good for other media because media professionals are looking at, well, what is trending? What are people liking? What are the things that are out there? Which is why, which is why I recommend following, you know, those, those writers and reporters who cover what it is that, that, that you do. When you, when we're talking about getting in front of potential clients, I guess, you know, I, I think there's this, this, uh, strange little vortex, right? Where so I'm sure there are some in our audience today that are thinking, especially back when we were talking about what's in the AIA contract, photography, right to photograph, you know, et cetera, in the AIA contract, what happens? And I know that there are clients that want to be published. Hey, I want to, I want a X project, whatever it is. I want something that's going to win an award. Maybe I want something that'll get published, but you've also got plenty of clients that, um, that don't want to, um, have their house shown or whatever the case is. What do you, what do you do about situations like that? Is there any, is it just a negotiation or is there anything that you, it's a, it's a lot of negotiation with the client. When someone comes to me with a single family, there are so many, depending on what the owners will do and where they allow, depends on where it can go. Will they allow it to be rephotographed? Will they be named? Will they be interviewed the continent? Will they be photographed, interviewed, and named? Um, you know, what about the budget? Will they say what the budget is? So all those different things depend on where it could be published. But the, the, the least that you want is to get images for your portfolio and request that you can put them on your website and social media. Now they may go, okay, website's okay, social's not okay. I mean, it's your client, you know, it's their house, right? So you have to, if you want to maintain that relationship, you do have to abide by that. Anything more than that is for when you do a show with an attorney. That's out of of mind. But I do know that there are certain things that you do need to request. There are some publications that will not publish a project unless they have a sign-off directly from the owners, whether the owners are interviewed or named or not, because that covers their liability. That doesn't surprise me. Makes sense, actually. Yeah. So when, when we're approaching that, you know, I know we're getting into contract negotiation and things like that. Is it best to have that conversation at the beginning of the project? Oh, I think so. I absolutely believe so. Because, unfortunately, we know that 
some projects don't end on the happiest note all the time. Um, and the, the, uh, the client can still go, oh, yeah, I said that before, now I'm saying no, because it's their health. You know, they can change the locks. Hopefully make it look like you wanted it to look like. Um, so yeah, the, the more upfront, the better. And you will have some clients who are like, I want this in archivist. It may or may not be archivist house, but you know, um, there's, we've had it, particularly with Hollywood clients, where it was so frustrating because we could have gotten this house up and down. So many people wanted it and they kept dinging. They kept going, no, we don't want it there. We want it here. It's like, this is so much better. And then dragging their feet and then we just, you know, and they wouldn't say a budget, even make one up. And it was, I, not that they made the kind of movies I liked anyway, but I will never go to any of movies. <laughs> the residual effects. So frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, I, I know we're uh, we're at the top of the hour here already. Oh, amazingly, um, so what's? Why don't we just wrap it up with this? I mean, we've covered a lot of ground and a lot of great advice here. With with our small firm architect audience. What's the one thing that they need to do before the end of the day today in terms of promoting their firm? Uh, get your signs printed. That's good and, advice. And, yeah. And look and see if you can do, you know, a couple hours a week time in your calendar to look at social media and see what you can do with it. Um, put it in your calendar. My coach says if it's not in your calendar, it's not in existence. Yeah, I think I gave that exact advice earlier today. I think that's, that's really good advice. Very good. Very yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, get educated. That I mean, I wanted to say at the beginning is bravo to all of you taking the time to, to work with Jeff and Catherine, taking the time to put attention to this in, in just to begin with. Um, and recognizing that you are in a business. My father always said to me, if you want to be in the business, be in the business. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, oh, I just, yes, that is an A, this is an AIA. That's <laughs> the mirror thing. This is an AIA pin. Um, a couple of years ago, I had just the biggest honor of my life in getting an honorary AIA from, uh, from, from the national organization. So yeah, it's, it's something I'm very, very proud of and, and staying on brand, you know, and that's a big thing. Stay on brand. Uh, purple is our, is my firm's branded color. So I'm like, I'm going to be wearing a little dash of purple here. Um, you know, I'm on the side of the architect. I'm going to wear my, my AIA pen. So. That's very good. Congratulations on that, by the way. Um, yeah, and, and I, you know, I'm going to second that. And everybody hears me say this every day, but um, these, 
whether it's the daily show that we have inside the the uh, Entree Architect Community Facebook group or it's the live, we call this the live simulcast that goes out everywhere, plus the podcast version of it. Um, these really are, and everybody that participates in these in the audience, they really make these conversations um, into uh, into great resources that continue to live on. And so uh, if you're out there, if, if you've been in this audience today and you know somebody that needs this, or if you have a, a colleague, uh, an architect across town or across the country, classmate, whatever, that needs to hear a conversation about PR for small firm architects, have them come to the Entree Architect Community Facebook group and watch this video and read the comments or go to the Entree Architect YouTube channel um, and and find the, the video of this. Or Monday, it'll be out at noon Monday, listen to the podcast version of this conversation. Um, these these are resources to, I mean, our, our number one goal is to help architects build better businesses. And uh, Julie, I really appreciate you being here and helping us with the PR aspect of my the business. Pleasure. My absolute pleasure. Another low effort thing, I know that your school, wherever you studied, is always asking you for money, but the Alumni Society is pretty much always asking you what's going on with you. Class notes. Easy, easy, easy. That's good advice. Yep. I just yeah. got my last magazine and look, flipped through. That's that's all I look at is the class notes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who did what? Who's doing what? Yep. And that goes exactly. for high school too. I mean, my high school has a, um, a thing in my, I, and my college also. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. I never read my graduate school. I don't know if I even have a graduate school magazine. But, but I would say, I mean, if you, because your, your department, I'm sure, has something, but if you were from a university, major mm-hmm. university, that's all those other people. I always say, you don't know that guy at the end of the cafeteria table who would like eat a tea bag on a bet is actually doing that. So. <laughs> well, that's the worst he did. That's not so bad. I think I know that guy. I think he was my roommate. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's a good one. Well, Julie, thank you again for uh, joining us today. It's been great. Lots of great information. Catherine, thank you for uh, for keeping the wheels on the bus again. And uh, for all of you out there, uh, appreciate all of you. Thank you for all of your comments and all of your questions. Uh, thank you for making context and clarity a thing. I say that a lot because if it weren't for you making context and clarity uh, and sticking with context and clarity since April 9th of 2020, um, we wouldn't be talking to Julie today. So um, appreciate all of you for that. Uh, for a little heads up, tomorrow we have a very special, another live context and clarity from Peak Vermont as we're kicking off a weekend of context and clarity in person for those of us that can make it almost to Canada. Um, and we're going to uh, be live tomorrow and a super live, I think is what we're calling it on Saturday. Yeah. I think it's called super live special edition because we don't usually, you know, we don't usually meet on Saturdays. So True. I just yeah, can't remember that special. many words. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> super live special edition. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's good. a good thing we're going all the way to Canada because it's not going to be hot up there. So that's the good news. Oh, I appreciate that. I do too. Yeah. If I'm going to leave my white box, I need to go <laughs> into, into some more cooler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
All right, everybody. We appreciate you. And thanks uh, also to those listening on the podcast version. Thank you for listening in. We will be back for Context and Clarity Live next Thursday. And our special guest next Thursday will be Eric Reinhold of 30 by 40 Design Workshop. Uh, he and his uh, childhood friend Jason have a new podcast called Two Sides of Phi. They're very into this idea of fire. And uh, that's an acronym, not like flames, but FIRE is Financially Independent, Retire Early. So all week next week, we will talk about money mindsets and your relationship with money and finances. So it's going to be an interesting week. Yeah, FIRE, we're not going to burn down the house. <laughs> we're going to figure out. What if you're already too old to be retiring early? I mean, what if? <laughs> is it for? Is it a thing for everybody? I think it's a thing for know. everybody. When's early? I'll have to ask them next week. You know what? That that is actually the number one question in my mind is yeah. what is early. So, yeah. all right, we can ask them that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> all right. With that, everybody, again, thank you. Um, thanks for being here. Thanks for all of your questions and comments. Please take care of yourself today, tonight, this evening. Uh, be well. Be safe. Encourage those around you, please, to take care of themselves. And uh, find a little bit of time to breathe a little bit and rejuvenate uh, overnight because we're going to do this again tomorrow in a very special way. So we'll see you then. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Before we go, I want to say thank you to Twin Motion for their support of this episode of Context and Clarity Live. Visit Twin Motion today at twinmotion.link slash clarity and try Twin Motion for free. And also, thank you to Monograph for their support of this podcast episode. To reserve a seat at their first ever interactive virtual conference, visit sectioncut.com today. Thanks for listening to this week's Context and Clarity Live episode. Selfishly, I love these conversations because I get to be the go-between between you and some really incredible guests. To that end, I want to know what you think about today's guest. Message me on the socials. I'm really easy to find. I'm Jeff underscore Eccles everywhere. If you happen to run across a white-haired chiropractor from Austin, Texas, yeah, that's not me. I'm the other Jeff Eccles. Oh, and if you have an idea for a future guest, tell me who it is and why you think they'd be a good guest for one of these conversations. Maybe we can get them on a future episode. Thanks again for listening. I appreciate you, and I'll see you next week. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that, 
then you know in your head you've rooted like oh i'm connected to these people like long term the process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges demanding meticulous planning flawless execution and unyielding resilience i kind of hate the term because it's so overly used but i think everybody knows imposter syndrome and i think it's it's so real to this day i i, I don't know if it's with everybody but with me i'm always questioning like us? Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.